0: Hi, I'm Courtney. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, the podcast where I speak with individuals living with or affected by sexually transmitted infections. Today, I have Reese, who's 39 years old, African-American woman, (sighs) works in finance, and lives where? I don't think I asked you this one. Florida. You live in Florida. Okay. And what is your sexual preference? Heterosexual. Okay. Are you dating or in a relationship right now? Okay. All right. So, Reese, what is your diagnosis?
1: I am HSV2 positive.
0: All right. Now, do you have it genitally or orally? Genitally. Okay. And how long have you been diagnosed?
1: Going on five years.
0: Five years? Okay. And when you were first diagnosed, what was going on around that time in your life? How did you find out that you had HSV2? I was
1: actually prepping for a move and decided to go to the doctor and have my uh, last annual checkup uh, on my current insurance and went in for regular physical plus uh, STD checkup and my physician decided to go ahead and test me again for herpes that year and basically about a week or so before I moved, she gave me a call and informed me of the results. The uh, shocking factor of it was the fact that for the past two years, she actually tested me um, in 2012 and 2013, but she had not tested me for the nine years prior that I was actually going to her office. So that was definitely something um, interesting that I found out that a lot of doctors do not test you for that. I did ask her why she decided to test me the last two years of me attending her practice and she stated because she had seen an uptick in diagnoses from other patients.
0: And this is in Florida?
1: She decided to make it mandatory
0: for everyone. Okay, this was in Florida, right? It was. Okay. All right. I didn't know if you were moving from one place to Florida or if you were moving from Florida somewhere else. Okay. All right. And so she just tested you. She didn't see any symptoms or anything. She just was like, oh, okay. There are a lot of cases of people with HSV coming in. I want to be proactive here and just test everyone for it
1: decided to be proactive and start testing everyone for it um surprisingly i had never had any outbreaks but after hearing that news plus moving, i had my first (laughs) one so
0: so it was after you got the news that that's when you noticed an outbreak so you hadn't had anything that may have uh in hindsight possibly been herpes no ingrown hairs no irritation no rashes nothing
1: Occasional ingrown hair from shaving or, you know, uh, waxing, but that was about it. Nothing that was alarming, um, nothing that would make me think, oh, I need to go into the doctor's office
0: and get tested for this. Yeah, so there was nothing, I mean, just like you said, there was nothing at all. No red flags that made you think, I should get tested for herpes. Correct. Well, kudos to your doctor for being so aware about that. Now, when she dropped this ball on you, um, like, what was her... What were the next steps? What was her guidance for you afterwards?
1: Um, The next steps for me were to go to the uh, boyfriend that I had at the time, um, because I was, I'm I'm usually in a monogamous relationship, so I kind of knew, okay, if you've tested me in the past two years, this has come from the person that I'm currently dating, Mm -hmm. so I went to him. Um and his reaction was pretty nonchalant about the entire thing, um, which was a red flag for me. Um, he decided that he would come to my doctor's office and his question to her was, Well, are you sure this could have, you know, occurred during the time frame that we've been dating and she's like, yes, I've tested her. <laughs> she knows who she's been in a relationship with and assuming that there's no infidelity on both of your parts, then this is what it is. Perhaps your doctor has not tested you. So um, after we had our meeting, um, even my physician, even stated that her son for instance actually had had herpes since he was 16 from a relationship that he had as a teenager and has lived with it so she pretty much tried to calm me down and let me know that this is not like a death sentence and it's more of a skin condition and it's gonna be okay. I heard her, but I did not hear her really at the time. So um, after we left the secondary appointment, my boyfriend at the time stated that he was gonna go to his doctor um, and get tested to confirm. But initially, basically after that, because it was also the timing of me leaving, I never saw any results. I really honestly don't think that he went to his doctor at all. Um, If his doctor did test him, he simply just did not test him prior, all the years prior to. So um, essentially, he told him, you're not showing any outward signs,
0: according to my boyfriend. So it's not a big deal. Right, right. And I like your doctor a lot. (laughs) Like the more you talk about her or him, was it a she... Okay, so the more you talk about your doctor, the more I like her. Um, reasons being, one, she was proactive about this. Two, she opened up and shared that her son had herpes, so this was something that was close to home for her. And three, that she went above and beyond to have the meeting with your significant other as well and go over like some of the mental aspects of it. I feel like she treated you like a person and not just someone a a number coming in and out of our office so that's awesome that you were able to get that treatment because a lot of people when diagnosed don't get the sympathy they don't get the empathy at all what we get is a pamphlet, a prescription, and a best of luck to you. Like, I was just talking to someone earlier today who had that similar experience. And one of the things that she was saying was that in the medical field... I'll have her on the podcast, too, to talk about more of her story. But um, just in the medical field in general, there tends to be a lack of empathy upon our diagnosis in a lot of cases. So... what? Oh, you're shaking your head? Yeah, like you
1: agree with that, but I think as any person seeking out a doctor, I have loved all of my doctors wherever I move, but I also definitely make sure that I am Once I go in for my first initial consult with a doctor, I am checking for things such as their disposition, whether there's a lot of people in the office, whether they're rushing me out of their office and I seem like a number. Do they sit there and they take the time to explain anything to me? So for me, that is a must. I had a childhood doctor that was that way who up until he retired, he's in his 80s, he still makes calls to my family. So that's always been an important aspect of making sure that my medical care is being handled by professionals who actually care about the human aspect of what they're doing. So I think if you get a sense or a feeling or intuition that your doctor does not care, you need to seek a new doctor.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, I didn't mean to say that, you know, there's a lack of empathy as if that's so important in the medical industry because the most important aspect is really to treat whatever illness there is and uh, so I want to be sure to retract that statement as far as being like empathy is so important in the medical field, because if you go in with physical symptoms, pains, you want that treated right away. But it's the psychological effects more often than not that really get people that, that people struggle to deal with. So um that's why we're talking. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why I'm able. I'm. I want to be able to get your story out here, uh, so that individuals who are newly diagnosed are able to get the support that they need. And from your advice here, just. Be proactive in following your gut when it comes to your medical professionals. you like someone who's gonna be more proactive. I'd hate to, not I hate to, but the people who find this podcast typically either know me and are wondering what the podcast is about or someone who has at some point come into contact with an STI, unfortunately. Um, so not to say that it's too late, (laughs) but you can always go back and get a better medical professional, but we all should be very proactive in, um, ensuring that our medical professionals, our physicians, our doctors that we go to, um, meet our criteria. Correct. So and in your case, you know, you had all these red flags that you were looking out for and what, what do you suggest for someone who's looking for a doctor? Is it more of just like a, a lifestyle decision or what, what do you think?
1: to pull internal medicine doctors I just think that they look at you from a holistic perspective and I believe that they will actually send out and make sure that you get as much testing as possible Mm. um, because they're looking at the whole body the whole mind whole system kind of aspect the doctors that I had previously I still again just looked for disposition how many people are in the office I don't want to feel rushed I am a person who asks questions and I like to be informed
0: Yeah. So if a doctor's not going to help educate me, then they're not the right doctor for me. Yeah. I got that from you when we were talking about doing this podcast and you were like, All right, well where's the form to fill out? Where's the email address? What link are we using? And I'm like, uh, I'm gonna call you on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's that's that just speaks, you know, volumes to your personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, back to your diagnosis. You were diagnosed, you went, you were proactive and uh you know figuring out where it came from you talk to your then boyfriend are you so you don't know he never confessed or let me say this you don't know that it came from him he never came to you and said i tested positive
1: no he did confirm okay. that he tested positive just he couldn't confirm what type on his end and nor did i see any
0: paperwork oh so you you got more of a verbal yeah it confirmation, not to mention
1: looking in hindsight, there definitely probably was one incident where I should have thought something. Um, One time uh, he had what appeared to be like a pimple near his mouth. I asked, oh, do you have like the cold sores or herpes virus? His response was no, but he seemed to be quite irritated by that response. So that's what made me think that either he was not being truthful or simply had not gone to see if it was anything more serious. Um, For years after, um, you know, I have spoken to him, he certainly has been adamant that he did not know, and his doctor simply did not test him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's common. It's not like that's rare or uncommon at all. It's just, you know, when we get to a place where we can put the responsibility on someone. It's, it's almost like a denial or uh, a protection mechanism or something. Like, oh, my doctor told me all I have to do is wear condoms. Even if you're misinformed by an authoritative figure and you choose not to do your research, like you look at, you consciously believe in your mind that what you're doing is the right thing because of the information you've been given from an authoritative figure. And so, um, after that relationship, what, what did you do? How did you, how did you feel at that point? What did you do to move on and move past that? Um,
1: I actually went into a severe state of depression for about
0: six months. Because um, of herpes or because of the ending of that relationship?
1: A little bit of everything. Okay of herpes the ending of the relationship I had moved to a place and kind of knew within three to six months that I didn't like it um, and it wasn't going to be a forever home for me so there was a lot going on uh, in my professional life as well as my personal life um, so I did get to a state of feeling very isolated and feeling like I could not share or talk to anyone because there is definitely a stigma within the african-american community about this a huge one. I
0: wasn't going to bring it up I, unless you did, so, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: I I got into a, a very severe state of depression. Um, I started trying to work out to get healthier and just kind of lift my spirits, but a couple of times it definitely got to me. Up until the fact that there was a trip that I planned, um, and it was my intent to go on that trip and actually end my life. Um, Something happened during that trip where I got into an accident and almost lost my life in that car accident, but to me that was a a sign from God, like literally I had just sat on the, the side of the road and just started bawling because of my original intention. And then getting into an accident where I almost lost my life in a car accident, and then being spared my life, I just gave it all to God at that point. It was just like, I'm never going to have that thought again, because I've always been a very positive person, and I will just get this out of my mind, because clearly you have something bigger for me to do. (laughs) So, that was all within the same
0: year. (laughs) So, so, the first year of diagnosis, I was afraid of date. I was just a hot mess. Mm, a hot mess. Wow. I I don't think we talked about that before we got on the podcast. <laughs> So I'm, I'm, you saw the look on my face. I was like, oh, shit, because that's one of the reasons that this podcast got to the point where it's at now. Um, one of the first people that I met when I became single again, dating with herpes, um, she and I became pretty good friends, and she had let me know she contemplated suicide. And I was just like, you know, it's not that bad. And then I started collecting the stories from people and sent it to her after you know hearing so many other people who contemplated it and this is probably the first time that like i've heard anyone like i feel like you i i can get a sense from you that you were actually gonna do this
1: i really didn't know how i think i on the trip i had taken like just random pills that were left in my house and that's what i was gonna do um so that was basically what my intent was um But like I said, with the car accident that occurred um, in, in the vacation area that I was in, that was it for me to just recognize this is not that serious yeah, <laughs> um, and that there's more in life for me to accomplish. So for me, I went back and really started digging into my faith and working on myself and my mindset to get myself out of this funk. And then the following year, I started sharing with my friends and slowly but surely come to find out several of my friends have it
0: as well. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what a lot of us come to find out when we begin to share this. Like, if you go and tell a handful of people, nine times out of ten, at least one of them knows someone with it. At least one of them has it, and maybe even one of them has it and doesn't know that they have it. So it's like you, we we, we spend so much time thinking to ourselves, we're alone. Mm -hmm. We're the only one. And because we believe that and we keep to ourselves about it and allow ourselves to get into those isolated, lonely states, we begin to believe that. Like We really feel that we deep down believe that we are the only person who can relate to this situation when it's such a common thing. And I, I'm guilty of it. It didn't hit me right away just because I was in a relationship. And I feel like dating was the only area of my life that this really affected me. Because it's like, okay, who's going to want to be with someone with herpes? And then you start to tell people you have herpes. And they're like, oh, so-and-so has it. Or I have it. Or you come into contact with these uh, secret Facebook groups and communities that are out there. And you find out there's thousands, tens and thousands of people who... Have it? No, yeah. they have it. There's,
1: there's millions. There's, well, yeah. I mean, I'm
0: I'm si- I'm speaking from like the discovery standpoint. Okay. You see that there are all these different groups, and it's it's there's so many groups. There's interest groups, dating groups, support groups. There's like a chess group. I don't know, but it's you can find that type of support, and it's so spread out that if everyone were to come together, I really believe that the number of people with herpes would outnumber the people without herpes, if that makes sense. And, oh, go I ahead. definitely think so. Um, one of the biggest
1: things that still kind of gets under my skin is within, um, I'd say, everyday life, just the downplay that occurs for those who actually have cold sores or get shingles in comparison to, people who get uh the herpes uh virus genitally they're all herpes and so there definitely is um stigma and and downplaying that occurs with people you come in contact with. Um, Since diagnosis, I've even come in contact with people that I have date men that I've dated and they may actually have herpes simplex virus one, which is cold sores, which can also be passed orally or genitally, but there is just this complete downplay like, no, you're different than I am. And, um, it, it definitely made for some interesting debates. Yeah. to saying, you know what, we're probably just not going to date because you can't see us as the same or even see who I am as a person. So yeah. therefore we don't need to date, but, um, I, I definitely hope that people try to educate themselves more and definitely demand testing from their doctors so that people know, um, and are educated about it. If there's no testing, there's a lot of people, obviously, who are not taking any precautions, and some of them who still do. But the fact remains is that there are probably a lot more people with this than they know, yeah. or anybody knows.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and we're just, and I'm speaking from just the people who know that they have it and know about these groups. That's where I'm able to find out, you know, where the numbers come from. What about the people out there who? Found out they have it and they're just like, you know, fuck everything. I'm going to not reach out to anybody. I'm going to be in denial about this. Or, like, there's so many different mindsets that you can pick up as a result of contracting the virus. And we, we, we're we just so separated. And hopefully... Putting this podcast together and having all the stories on here is, like I said, just going to send out a call to everyone who does have it or is in denial about it and just show them, like, listen to these people. Listen to these people who've gone on, gone through what you've gone through, made it to the other side. And aren't even affected by this in their everyday life. Like you go on to be more mindful of your body. You're more cautious about, you're more se- selective with partners that you're going to have. You're more mindful of what it is that you want. You're more intentional in your everyday life, you know, and you come to realize in the grand scheme of things, like, There are way bigger problems that you're going to have in life than just herpes. You're going to have issues at work. You're going to have issues getting to work. You're going to have issues with paying bills. Like There's going to be all types of struggles. Yeah. And that's just one of the things that we fail to realize in the beginning. Now, it just comes with experience. As you have it, you start to learn that what you thought you knew about herpes isn't what herpes really is because each of us is different that's why it's so hard to create a vaccine that's why it's so hard to cure because everyone's symptoms and experiences are completely different some people don't have outbreaks some people have outbreaks repetitively um, around the time of their cycle or you know just like monthly reminders hey I'm here and it's 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 just so tricky for us to figure out how to deal with it, that we can only control what we can control, which is how we respond to it mentally.
1: Yes, and at this point in terms of being educated, honestly, the only way you could potentially avoid it is basically to avoid having sex.
0: And even then, because it's not just spread sexually, it's from skin to skin contact. So, in kissing, and uh, you know, touching an affected area, touching another area and making that infected. It's just, it's it's so unpredictable and uncontrollable that the best thing I feel we can do is prepare people for what it's like uh, to have herpes and using our experience to do that. Our experience, our education is what's going to be what prepares Newly diagnosed people for if and when they do contract the virus. Mm I agree. Now, we are approaching your timeline uh, for you to have to get out of here. Um, I think we covered everything as far as your story goes. But I want to ask you, you know, what was we, we always say? You know, discover yourself, find yourself or uh, take care of yourself. What did that look like for you so that someone who's newly diagnosed and here's this episode um, is able to, you know, kind of look at your experience and help make their experience a little bit better to go through?
1: And the incident with the car accident and almost losing my life there, um, I also went through additional health challenges that were unrelated. Um, Just something else happened to me where my health deteriorated. But during that process, I decided to look within and decide that I wanted to be the best woman that I could be. So I, for myself, again, uh, started getting involved heavily in terms of my faith making sure I was going to church. I also went through a program, a Christian program, to learn what my purpose and identity is and why I was here on this earth. Um, So I started doing that. Uh, In terms of my personal life, I actually decided to just get back out there and date because I'm an awesome person and you know I needed to learn how to potentially hear rejection if I got it and in all honesty you know I go out on at least a date a couple of dates every quarter or whatever I don't get rejected whether it's you know someone wants to talk to me or even if it potentially may have involved sex it has not been detrimental, in a sense, to my dating life. Um, For some people, I know that they want to uh, date other people with the virus, but that has not been my case at all. I have dated regular men who may not have been tested, or they have been tested, and um, at the time of dating them, they did not express that they have it. So that has not affected my dating life at all. Um, but for me over the years, I have just grown to become again, the best person that I could professionally, mentally, spiritually, etc., and also start to prepare myself for marriage and potentially to be a mother. So it's a mindset shift to achieve the things in life that you want to achieve. So, um, this, you know, virus, it, it it's not anything to me anymore. It is just a part of who this is, but it doesn't define who I am. And um, as one of my ex boyfriends stated, he's like, It's not gonna kill you, so it doesn't kill you. So it's not that big of a deal, which it's not. So I um just leave my life like that. I have a life to live. So yeah. this yeah. does not find me and it's not going to make who I am as a person who I'm going to be professionally as a wife or a mother. So I just keep moving forward.
0: There you go. So it sounds like you've identified your values. Um, you allowed yourself to do the things that you want to do that prepare you for becoming the person you want to become. Correct. There we go. Alright, now is there anything else that you want to leave us with? I feel like that was a good place for us to leave off.
1: Um, I would say in terms of the African American movement Community, I think that we need to have a lot more discussions around this Um, recently uh, quite a few discussions were had around um, The singer usher coming out, you know, and the stories about him having herpes. I was in several groups and Found it as a opportunity to educate people and I was happy to see that there were other people who either worked in the medical field had it or have friends who have it, and they were out there educating people as well. But the more we have a dialogue about it, I think the more that there will be less of a stigma about it in our communities. There's no sense in sitting there thinking that someone's clean or dirty or not a good person because they have something like this. That is not the case at all. We should be focused on somebody's character and who they are, but it's neither here nor there. But I would definitely like to say I would love to see more dialogue around that in our community.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that starts with you and I. That starts with people like us um, being open to educating when the opportunities present themselves. Just like you said, you're involved in groups where the usher situation came up, and you were able to contribute, you know, to the education of those individuals there. So that's all it is. I mean, once we're comfortable and we're at a place where we can accept uh, the fact that we have HSV and we're able to understand what that means for us, and we can educate ourselves, we're better equipped to educate other people. And that's really what's going to create a new stigma. And, you know, we'd rather there be the one that we create than the one that was created for us. So um, that's all I got for you, Reese. Go ahead, and you can say bye to the people. Bye,
1: everyone. <laughs> and thank
0: you so much for your time and being on here. Like I said, you got an amazing smile. Like, there's just such a, a awesome energy about you, and I love it. So this concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People with Reese. I am Courtney Brame on Facebook. And damn it, my dad's name's Courtney Brame, too. And my uncle's name's Courtney Brame, too. I'm the one wearing the Giving 100 t-shirt, and I have the uh, Something Positive logo behind me on my cover photo. On every other social media, I can be found at H on my chest. That's Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Reddit. I am just at H on my chest. So, um... Please, if you like this episode, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with people you think can benefit from it. Those reviews are helping more people find this podcast because the podcast sites are promoting the ones that are getting most of the interaction. And this is just really helping people get connected with the necessary resources to help get them through their diagnosis. So, thank you all for continuing to do that. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for the messages and letting me know. Um, how this podcast is being useful to you. I greatly appreciate it. The guests appreciate it. I always send them screenshots of the messages that people send in um, regarding their episodes too. So please continue to engage with us and until next time, stay positive.